Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, it's Kyle and Tom here. Man, what what a crazy 180 it's been for uh, Wolfpack Nation. I mean, this is... Uh, it's definitely been a crazy couple weeks with how these last couple games have gone. Um, Tom, I know you're kind of probably just as surprised as I am as Absolutely. far as everything has gone. Um, we've got a lot to talk about here. I mean, I mean, wow, we we're kind of in shock, honestly. This is something I know we did not expect to happen, but we sure as damn are proud. I mean, wow. I mean, this is, this is, I, it's, I'm honestly sometimes at a loss for words of what happened, what just happened this last week. Yeah, it was, like you said, a complete 180. I mean, we go from losing three straight looking like a, you know, just horrific team uh, to winning two games. One that I don't think we should, probably should have won in the Miami game, and and one being the Georgia Tech one, which we said was a must win. So, yeah, and as and why don't we just get started with Miami? I mean, holding them to sixty eight points as they are one of the most high powered offenses in the ACC, if not the country. You know, we are able to kind of do what we set out to do, which was force them to make bad decisions, force turnovers, make them uncomfortable uncomfortable with the ball and not let them gain any sort of momentum throughout the game. They did have, you know, spurts in the second half where they were able to, you know, cut cut the lead or kind of stay in the game and everything and but all in all, I think State did a phenomenal job this game and in, in being able to kind of take control of the game when it mattered most. You know, we definitely have talked about DJ Burns's limited minutes throughout this course of the season and how, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes, you know, we just people want him to play more. This game was definitely one of those games where he by him sitting out, it helped us prevail the victory because a lot of teams are starting to figure him out now as a guy that really cannot play defense that well against the pick and roll. And because he's just he just is a, a a step and a half or close to two steps slower than pretty much any of these guards, and it's it's tough to watch on the defensive end. So limiting his minutes, I think, definitely helped us in that regard. And I mean, we are a whole new team with MOC at the at in the starting lineup. I mean, I know you and I have said it before, but there's no reason Michael O'Connell should not be starting every game from here on out. Yeah. Um, and not just uh, Michael O'Connell. I mean, it's just keeps running this four guard um, starting lineup. Uh, it efficiency wise has been his best lineup all year. Um, you just, we haven't seen a ton of it because, uh, you know, Keats, we're we're getting dominated on the glass, so we want to have bigger players in the game. But the ball moves when Michael O'Connell's in the game, um, and you can see the benefits of it uh, tonight. Where you know Casey, especially Casey, I mean, seventeen points on six and nine shooting. He looked like the old Casey of last year, where you know all his shots weren't forced. He was getting open looks, and he was just in rhythm the whole night. Um, and yeah, that starts with O'Connell. I mean, he had six, five, and five with three steals. I mean, that's a fantastic stat line for a, a pass first starting point guard. Yeah, it's it's much needed. It's much needed because he he is the guy. I think he is one of the first guys that actually found his role early on this team. He really realized that okay, I'm not going to be a scorer. I'm not going to be this guy that averages fifteen to twenty a game. But my role is to be this quarterback of the offense and be a gritty menace on the defensive side. I mean, he is he's all over the floor. And that's something that you want as a team, because even if you're in a shooting slump, you know, you if you still have a guy like Michael O'Connell on the floor, 
you can still find a way to gain momentum in other areas without actually making a shot. And that right and all of that starts on the defensive end. I mean, we said it said it again. Three steals, five rebounds. I mean, he is all over the floor in every single aspect, showing his other teammates that he is willing to go the extra mile to make sure that that happens. And not only for his success in getting more minutes, but in the success of the team. He is a team first guy. He has been this entire season. And I think finally now you can see the wheels start to turn of the other of our other players to realize, oh, okay, the team is more important than myself. Yes, I will get my shots here and there, but what can I do to help out this team? And it looks like in this Miami game, it was after losing three straight, it was definitely, it was good to obviously play at home, but it was a good opportunity for us to kind of redefine ourselves as we head into February and really hone in on what this team team chemistry can look like if everybody buys into the system. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's showing shades of football season. Like, we go to Duke, get absolutely destroyed, and we make a change at quarterback, and it looks like Brennan has – or Brennan, who in this case would be Michael O'Connell – was a completely different guy. I mean, from that, you know, he's Michael Connell started the exhibition game, looked terrible. And now he's the catalyst to us having success on offense. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's great to see. And, you know, hopefully we can get that to continue and honestly see a little more improvement. Um, You know, Miami's not the greatest defensive team. Um, we shot the ball really well, 48%, 43% from three. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if we can see that level of offense continue, our defense has been excellent this year. So I think that th- those are keys to success for the rest of going on in the rest of the year and hopefully going into March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our defense has definitely kept us in a lot of games. It's just the problem is is that our because of how hard I think we play on defense in certain games, it got us to the point where we weren't able to really knock down shots on the offensive end, putting us kind of in this, you know, loop where we play good defense, we get out in, we get out into the offense, and we don't really move around because we're already tired from moving around on defense too much, and then force up a bad shot and then we go back down we play great defense again and it's just this constant cycle over and over and over again and we kind of we broke that fourth wall where we were able to actually figure out other pieces of the game where we could excel in to then use our advantage to then knock down shots and it always is great to come home after a little bit of a road stint get back you know get comfortable in your own gym and so I think obviously that was probably a big help in us shooting the ball better. Um, but I mean, look at Jaden Taylor. I mean, we, me personally, I, I take responsibility for this too. He is, he has really been not great at shooting the ball ever since early December. And we were kind of wondering what is, is he ever going to get back to shooting the ball? Well, and in this game, he, he finally did that. And I listened to the post game. Uh, I think it was in this game, the post game, they uh, named him the player of the game because of his ability to, you know, you know, be all over the floor. He finished with three blocks, seven rebounds, two steals. Two steals. So he's, yeah. So he was all over the place. And, you know, he, he said he was been, he's been shooting with confidence all season long yeah, just just it wasn't falling, and he just had to tell himself like to keep shooting with confidence, and eventually it paid off at back at home, and you know it was, that was great to see, and and having him, having him shoot the ball well, br- makes us a more dangerous team where it's not just relying on DJ Horn to shoot to make shots, or even Casey Morcel to really kind of step up. Now we have you know a third option a third, and then we can even add maybe a fourth option. If O'Connell shoots, you know, shoots well, some games, 
he's not going to be shooting. He's not going to be scoring 20 points, but O'Connell can be, you know, that fourth guy that's, Hey, I'm here. You better guard me or I'm going to get an easy bucket. And so by Jaden Taylor shooting the ball, well, I think it has really opened up our offense to be able to run whatever we want and be confident in our shooting ability to score the basketball and not rely on DJ Horn all the time. Yeah. I mean, O'Connell had the big basket towards the end of the game, the big layup that was basically the dagger for us. So, I mean, mm -hmm. and that comes off of guys like Taylor, guys like Horn creating and then drawing help and allowing for O'Connell to attack off the bounce. I mean, it's, it's a product of the team all playing well together at the same time, not having, you know, one guy having a bad night and and just um taking the whole team down basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, like I've said before, you know, our offense our offense does wonders when we move the ball around. And the fact that we finished the game with 17 assists makes me feel very confident in that fact that we were actually moving the ball around in getting good shot opportunities. I, I think a lot of the time this year, we've kind of done a lot of isolation ball. And when we actually pass the ball around and move without the ball, the the guy that is that starts all that is O'Connell. And people, I don't think, realize that enough where he is the guy to light a fire in the offense to say, hey, guys, let's move without the ball. Let's Let's make sure that we you know, are making good cuts, setting off ball screens, on ball screens, making it tough for the defense. I mean, he is, he, I, he is, I think a very big key factor in this change that we hope to see now in our team to be able to get more good looks, more better shot opportunities and not play so much isolation ball where we look like we really don't have an offense to run. Yeah, it's it's just a byproduct of, you know, we talked about in one of the last podcasts about the sets not working, but some of it does come down to the players have to execute, and when O'Connell's in the game, we execute. Mm -hmm. We do, we really do. It's 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 a great thing to see, and I can't remember if it was if it was this game or the Georgia Tech game, but there was a moment where. When Michael O'Connell is set, setting up the offense and he's he's directing people where to go and nobody's really moving on the floor. And he actually, I was on this uh, part of this, uh, on this side of the court when uh, I think it was in the first half. He was, it looked like he was visually upset that DJ Burns wasn't coming up to set a ball screen when and running the play efficiently. I mean, it, this was like maybe 14 seconds left in the shot clock. And he literally looked like he yelled at DJ Burns to come set his screen and DJ kind of, you know, moseyed his way on up there, but just goes to show you that, you know, he has the passion. He has the fire. He has the grit. He's got all of these great attributes that make him such a valuable asset on our team where he, you know, he and DJ Horn can, you know, I guess gel with one another and, you know, he can take the ball up the court. DJ Horn can take up the ball at the court. They complement each other well to where, you know, if DJ Horn is playing off ball, Michael O'Connell can be the one that sets up the offense and make sure everybody's in position. He's really, he really is the quarterback of our team. And I don't, I, I think he deserves more credit than he might be getting until these last couple of games. Well, yeah, it, free, it, it, it frees up DJ Horn to be, the player that he is, he's not a true point. He's right. not a guy who's going to, you know, go for five, six assists and be able to get us into an offense. He's looking to score and he's good at it when he's not having to do, you know, worry about other things. And when O'Connell's in the game, he's playing free, he's scoring the ball and we're looking good. I mean, he won player of the week last week, averaged what, 25? I mean, what else can you ask for? 
I mean, not much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that I know not much. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, that Miami win was unexpected, yet it was big. Big. And it, it, it gives us a chance, albeit slim, uh, to you know, build our resume. Lord knows we need it to build it because losing a couple of those games this year when we know we probably could have won was, was tough to swallow. And so getting a win like this and getting a win against Georgia tech at home really is, it's good because Georgia tech's a good team too. And we can get into them right now too. I mean, you know, what a gritty, another gritty win from the pack against Georgia tech. I mean, balanced scoring, um, efficiency on the offensive end, not turning the ball over only four times, forcing 12 turnovers by Georgia Tech when, you know, they're they're a pretty good team. They really – they're a team that definitely deserves more credit than their than their record shows. They are a – they are a gritty team that did not go away and made it kind of tough for us to really secure the win at the end because of how how tough they are. They're they're mentally tough, and for some of the young guys that they have, like Nathan George and Dongo, they 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 are tough. They're humble. They're tough, and they showed a lot of fight. And it was really nice to see the pack respond well after that win against Miami to say, "Hey, let's build off this momentum." Let's take care of business again at home against Georgia Tech. And hopefully we can start building a little bit of a win streak here as we kind of get into the really, really tough part of our schedule come mid to late February. Yeah, I mean, great win. Uh, you, like you said, you mentioned uh, only four turnovers. We forced 12. But the big thing for us was we had 18 points off those 12 forced turnovers. And even though we didn't shoot the ball well, I did not think that it was a it was a product of our offense not running well. I feel like we got open looks and just didn't hit them. Um, which and we still won, mm -hmm. which is a great thing. I mean, the ball moved, uh, our players moved. And we got good looks, and some of them just didn't fall, and sometimes that happens. But to show the resiliency to not uh, let the missed shots affect you on the defensive end is a good sign. It's a great sign. It's a great sign because I think a lot of our players can get really frustrated and if they are not shooting well, a.k.a. Jaden Taylor, where he hasn't really been shooting the ball well up until recently – and then he would commit a stupid foul on the defensive end, and then he'd be in foul trouble all game, and then we can't play him. It was it was tough, and like I mean, like you said, it it we've learned to just have the memory of a goldfish, where you don't, uh, yeah, you like that Ted Lasso pull. Uh, basically, <laughs> basically, you know, play one one possession at a time have no memory of what happened. If you miss a shot, great, get back on defense. It doesn't matter. And like you said, I am totally fine if we get a high percentage look and don't make it every single time. Like it it if we are getting a good opportunity on the offensive end and a good good shot selection, I will be satisfied with that 99% of the time because that means I know that we did something right on the offense where we were moving without the ball finding an open player and he gets a good, good look at the basket. That, that to me makes me happy whether he makes it or not. It's not where we're all standing around watching, you know, DJ Horn dribble the ball and then he might throw up a shot or Jaden Taylor throw up a shot and then somehow it goes in like, yeah, sure. I'll take those points, but you can only do that for X amount of possessions in a row before it eventually doesn't work. And then you keep on doing it and you make, you miss like four shots. You might make three shots in a row, but then you might miss five shots in a row. So it was great to see. It was great to see our resiliency, like you said. And, you know, it wasn't a great three point shooting night from Casey, but he has real in these last few games, he has really, started to come into his own 
shown that he has the ability to score not only from the three-point line, but also be able to drive to the basket, draw a foul, get a layup. He was doing that a little, you know, he he what he's not forcing shots anymore, I don't feel like, because he has Michael O'Connell to help him with that, taking less pressure off of DJ Horn, which takes less pressure off of him. So being able to understand that he is able to just not force any shots and actually get a shot in rhythm, that's huge for his confidence, whether he makes it or not, because he's getting a good look that he knows he can make later in the game at some point if he gets the same opportunity. Yeah, one for seven night for the three-point line, that's going to happen, I mean, every once in a while. But he was five of six from two. And like you said, Michael O'Connell had another solid game. Seven points, seven rebounds, six assists, three steals. Like, that's Michael O'Connell-esque stat line right there. Yes. That's what we need from him. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, as much as I especially have been bashing Burns on the defensive end, especially in the second half, he did a better job of being active on the pick and rolls. Um, he didn't have any steals, but he... His just presence led to deflections off a of help side defense from either Jaden Taylor on the roll or O'Connell on the roll, where they were able to get into the passing lane uh and and just take the ball away and, and get easy baskets. Um and you know, early DJ kind of set a tone, which is what I was kind of hoping for um against uh Dewana. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know we're familiar with him, and he Dewana wasn't a very good uh, rebounder on the defensive glass, and he's pr- pretty weak in terms of uh, you know his post defense. So it was good to see him kind of establish himself. He got offensive rebound in the first uh, you know few minutes of the game, got a put back, got fouled a couple times, got to the line. Something we hadn't seen from him in a while. Um, so yeah, that was that was good to see, and and twenty minutes is where he should be on a on a game to game twenty to twenty two, mm-hmm. are where Burns should be on a on a given night, and it showed. I mean, he was more effective in the in the short spurts that he was in eight points, ten rebounds, three assists, um, and zero turnovers. Really yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 good to see that. And I mean, you know, I will I will also say Diara and Middlebrooks, they they provided they provided good minutes. They didn't flood the stat sheet, but they both got clutch rebounds. They both combined for 11 clutch rebounds that were honestly needed throughout the game. They provided extra momentum for us both on the offensive and defensive glass. You know, being able to get out in transition, say, get us a couple second chance points. I mean, when Burns wasn't in there, they they held their own. And I was very, very proud to see that because, you know, sometimes, you know, when it when a when a substitute comes in for, you know, a starter, you know, they might not be able to hold up their end of the bargain and they might we might slip a little bit. And it didn't feel like that we were doing that with Middlebrooks and DR in the game. Granted, Middlebrooks got did get in foul trouble, which kind of which kind of stunk, but I mean that was like only the like second or third time we really had to deal with him worrying about Middlebrooks being in foul trouble. And but it was nice to see that they both were providing a little bit of a spark off the bench. And not letting, not having a whole big discrepancy between starter and bench player. It was definitely like, or role player, I should say. They're yeah, they're role players, but it was definitely nice to see that because because I know that a game can get kind of out of hand when you bring in a sub and you know they might not be as good as the starter. But I do believe that Middlebrooks and Diara are are very good substitutes when DJ is is out of the game. I I feel I. I'm glad that they I'm glad when they're in the game. I don't I don't cringe like when I saw, you know, EB last year when DJ was out. Like yeah, I, I mean, he's more confident this year for sure. Just think about the years past. I mean, 
you know, Mohorchus went down, so that really hurt us. Uh, we had, a, you know, EB had to get more extended minutes, and he was good in spurts, um, blocking shots, uh, catching lobs. Um, but he definitely had his flaws. Um, and then you go even further back when, when we had to play uh, Jalen Gibson when we were starting Jalen Gibson. Mm -hmm. Um, after Yeah. Manny Bates went down, you look even farther back. We're looking at like. Uh, when Wyatt Walker would get in foul trouble and then we had a an injury to Manny Bates, it was like Danny Dixon was coming into the game. Like, where you genuinely were like, how are these dudes on the roster? We don't have that problem. We have two quality bigs where, you know, even when DJ is out or and, and Ben's in foul trouble, I'm okay with DR playing minutes at the five. Mm -hmm. Me too. It's the most versatile defensive lineup we can have. And offensively, we spread the court and we're able to get downhill. Like, it's it's good. It's really, really good to have depth, especially at the um, in the front court. Yeah, yeah, and and just providing any kind of spark is is what this team needs. You know, I think this. You know, I don't want to obviously speak too soon, but. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're finally starting to create a little bit of team chemistry. You know, it's taken us kind of a lot of the season to really find, find our strengths, find our weaknesses and use those weakness, take those weaknesses, turn them into, turn them into strengths and make sure that we, you know, use them against other people. I mean, it's just, maybe we're finally finding that chemistry. Maybe we've finally found something. I don't really know, but I know winning these last two games has definitely helped create and promote some type of confidence in our players. And I'm hoping we get to do it against Pitt on Wednesday. Yeah, um, Pitt's a team that, you know, broke the hearts of the Cameron Crazies a few weeks ago, and they've won four out of their last five. And, you know, it's a Pittsburgh team that has a lot of pride and is a tough matchup uh, under Coach Capel. They're 64 in the net rankings right now, um, and they're always looking to ruin someone's night. They're gritty and tough, just like Georgia Tech, but they, they, they have a, a lot more, I would say, a lot more talent. Um, and we had, we've said this a ton of a ton of times on the podcast. You know, this is every ACC matchup that we have, especially especially against a team like Pitt, is going to be a challenge. Um, they're a team that you know takes care of the ball. They're averaging just under ten turnovers a game, so we need to find a way to get them out of their comfort zone and force them to turn the ball over, like we did against uh, Miami and Georgia Tech. They're super active defensively. blocking shots they're really good on the glass um and they're a team that we just can't overlook we have to take seriously to, if we want to win this game Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. You know, we get we got to make sure that we, you know, we take care of business, and that starts with with Blake Hinson. You know, the six eight senior forward. He's currently their leading scorer at eighteen points a game. Easily their most efficient scorer. Uh, such a dangerous threat on the court. I mean, he scores basically from anywhere. He's a good three point shooter. He can find any way to get to the bucket. He doesn't average a lot of assists though. Uh do I mean granted he is a forward, so I mean he's not gonna he's not gonna be you know getting a lot of assists here and there, but he does create so much attention to himself that I I really think we should not be surprised if he is able to find an open man here and there and gain a couple assists as a result. I mean, state I know has a, a tendency to really hone in and focus on one player to make sure that they don't go off. And, you know, that's great. You know, you want to slow them down. You're not going to be able to stop any of these guys at this level. You're not going to be able to stop them. But if you can slow them down a little bit, that should be your bread and butter. Don't let them take control of the game in any way, essentially. Don't let a star player take control of the game. Make other players beat you. And, you know, he is shooting 66% from the free throw line. So obviously that isn't, Those numbers aren't staggering from the three free throw line. So if we can keep him in check, you know, he might not be able to find any, any momentum because even if he does get to the line, I think he's averaging like 
you know, four or five attempts a game. If we can keep him off of the line, even if he is on the line, he might not even be able to find some momentum. Just so just constantly making it uncomfortable for him to the point where if he does go to the free throw line, he might not even be getting extra free points to gain some momentum in his own game. And that also will be a big factor in hopefully getting a big crowd there to distract him with making sure that we get chicken at the end of the game. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, Blake Hinson is 100% their best player, but he does have some flaws that I've noticed. I watched them um, last week against Wake. Um, he will not go left. I have not seen him dribble with his left hand. Um, so if we can be aware of something like that, um, th- that should help us in in limiting his ability to score. However, he they like to post him up a bunch, um, because he's a he is listed as six eight. I I wouldn't I would say he's more like six six, but he is super strong. Um and with our you know four guard lineup, they might try to take it take advantage of him down low. Um hopefully Casey can use his length to kind of disrupt him um in the post. But uh, really the big thing is running him off the three point line. I mean, he will shoot it from anywhere on the court. Uh against Duke, what was he like eight of eight, six of six from three, and he hit like he hit like, you know, three just heavily contested threes. I think he had two and one threes, like just insane. So I could miss. The the big thing is is really running him off the line and making him, you know, use his left hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, um next they got uh Carlton Carrington, Carlton Bud Carrington, Bud is what they're going to call him on the on the uh, you know the the announcers are what they're going to call him. Six uh, five freshman guard, averaging roughly fourteen points a game, leading the team uh, just at just over four assists a game. Uh, he's a game changer who can create opportunities for guys like Henson uh, or Ishmael Leggett, which we'll get into later. Uh, he's a guy who isn't going to shoot, you know, super efficient from the three point line, but he, he still is a capable shooter, as we've said, um, in the podcast. And he, almost everybody in college basketball is, is can make a three point shot, but he's really going to want to, you know, drive the basket, uh, you know, get to the free throw line, create contact, kind of how, uh, uh, Judah Mintz at Syracuse is. Um, super long defender. Uh, so yeah, we, we just need to stay in front of him and not let him create opportunities for himself and others. Yeah, and one of those other people, like you mentioned, is Ishmael Leggett. I mean, the six three junior guard, twelve points a game. He is uh, their team leader in steals at almost one and a half a game. He he is a defensive pest. He is a guy that will be all over the floor, kind of like Michael O'Connell, where he will just be anywhere and everywhere. And so we need to be aware of him, not just on the defensive end, but also on the offensive end, because he is actually an efficient scorer and he shoots the three much better than Carrington does. I think he's, I think he's right now at almost 36% from three. Uh, So, you know, he'll be a person that we need to keep our eyes out for on the court at all times. Um, if we get lazy on defense, he could he could go off at any moment. Like we said, anybody can shoot in this league. It's just a matter of making sure that you slow people down enough to not get in a rhythm. You know, he's an eighty percent free throw shooter from the free throw line. So if we can keep him and Carrington off of the free throw line, I mean that would be a big big help to make sure that you know we 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 maintain a decent lead if we're up. Yeah, I mean. He- uh, against in that weight game, he had 22 points on nine to 16 shooting four or six from the three point line. So he is a very capable scorer. Um, a couple more guys to mention, uh, Guillermo Diaz, Graham, Zach Austin, and Federico Federico. 
three big guys for Pitt that are just strong rim protectors, averaging a block a game. Um, just like State, they have uh, depth at, at the center position and can easily control the game by you know rotating them in and out of the game. The, the thing for us where we can take advantage of these shot blockers is that they are tall and long, but DJ has like 80 pounds on them, and I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. They are thin. So if DJ uh, or or Ben um, are able to take advantage of their just strength advantage over these guys and bury them in the rim, um, you know, we can kind of take advantage of that. Um, Federico, Federico, their starting center is more of a mobile big where he's a lob threat. He's not going to shoot the ball at all from outside, but, you know, he's really good on the offensive glass. So if we're able to get him, especially in foul trouble, because he, he, he is a good shot blocker, but he jumps a lot, goes for pump fakes. If we're able to get him in foul trouble, I would feel better about our chances of winning the game. I agree. I agree. He, he yeah, he's a, he's a big playmaker. I mean, with a name like Federico Federico, I mean, Spelled exactly the same, by the way. Exactly the same. It's, <laughs> gosh, his parents must love him. I mean, what? I mean, imagine, imagine naming your kid Federico Federico. Federico Federico Smith. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I guess, yeah, one big thing, I guess, a big key for us this game is just, you know, force them to turn the ball over. I mean, they don't they don't average many they, under 10 a game. So getting them uncomfortable, finding ways for our defense to really turn the ball over, you know, we can – I think that will be a big, big part of this game to make sure that we we maximize every opportunity we can on the defensive end. And hopefully, hopefully we find a way to win if we if we force Pitt to force uh, to make enough silly mistakes. Yeah, one one last thing that I want to talk about um, in regards to like keys to the game for us is rebounding. Smaller lineup um, that we have, we have to limit them um, in terms of second chance opportunities. They aren't the most efficient offenses in terms of uh, percentage, so. If we're able to limit that, limit um, Henson and force them into making turnovers, I'm feeling pretty good about that about that game. Into our Saturday matchup against uh, a Wake Forest team that we have beat uh, at home, but we go on the road to Winston Salem, uh, eight in eighty three seventy six. Victory in the last matchup. Wake is they're a different team, man. When they play at home, they they are a monster. They're 12 and 0 on the year at home, 40 and 5 at home in the past three years. The the Deeks have an average margin of victory by 20 points when playing at home. So needless to say, this is a Big, big quad one opportunity for the pack. As we said before, somehow to build a, a build our resume much more than it already is. This is a great opportunity for us to ride this momentum. If we can somehow find a way to win at home again against Pitt, carry that momentum into the Saturday matchup that we have. It's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a test. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we all know this is not gonna be an easy game. I mean, Wake Wake is a different beast at home, man. It they they brother. I I don't even know what to say other than we need to make sure that we are fully awake for this game. Yeah, and that uh, twenty points margin of victory includes a four point win against Miami. So. They've blown teams out. Syracuse 29 on Saturday, um, 23 against Virginia, beat them by 20, 20 beat Virginia Tech by 23 and uh, beat um, Virginia by 19. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a really good team. Um, and in this matchup, they're adding Damari Monsanto, who did not play um, in the last matchup. And in my opinion, he is the best shooter in the ACC. 
um, on the year, averaging seven and a half points, limited minutes, still, you know, getting acclimated, um, shooting 50% from three. And last year he averaged 13 points, uh, shooting 40% from three on eight attempts per game. So he's a guy that we just can't leave anywhere on the court. Um, he is limited defensively, you know, coming off of a torn patella tendon injury. He just doesn't have the lateral quickness anymore. So if we're able to attack him on the defensive side of the ball, that will limit his minutes on the offensive side of the ball. Like a Forbes can't leave him in if he's not able to guard the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's a good shooter, man. He, I remember before he got injured last year and uh, when we played him at home, last year when he he had he hit like two or three threes in the first couple minutes like deep contested threes yeah, deep contested threes and they were like swish bottom yeah like end. what are we supposed to do with that yeah yeah like it was so ridiculous seeing that and so but and then of course and then he gets injured and that definitely helped us for sure but i mean if if he if we if he didn't go out we were toast Maybe yeah, that would not have been close. If he was three for four from three, um, nine points in like two minutes. It, felt uh, like. it has him listed as 14 minutes. So, wow. um, yeah, he's a, he is a knockdown shooter for sure. Um, you know, in the last matchup, you know, we did a really good job. Um, defending the basketball, um, keeping especially in the, in the second half, we did a good job defending the basketball. Um, you know, keeping having pressure on the ball, limiting them to tough shots, um, and that that'll need to continue, especially on Andrew Carr. You know, he had twenty eight against us at NPNC on ten of thirteen shooting, and he is the biggest concern for me due to his height. Um. You know, we talked about the four guard lineup with Michael O'Connell, Horn, Taylor, and Marcel, leaving Casey guarding a power forward. And you know, we haven't in in those recent games, we haven't really come up against a guy like Carr. So I'm curious to see what Keats does, um, whether he sticks with the lineup that's worked for us, or whether if he makes a change and goes to the lineup that worked against Wake in the second half, where we had um, Middlebrooks and Dr. at the same time to combat the size of wake right yeah i mean it it'll be interesting to see what keats's philosophy is um you know i know you and i talked about his philosophy many a times but you know i think in this game it's going to be a this will be a season defining game i think for the rest of the year where if we can find a way to adjust accordingly to what had happened in the previous game because I know Wake it will be prepped and ready. They're gonna be they're gonna be ready. And like I said before, state needs to find a way to bring that same level of energy on the road in a pretty hostile environment. Oh, to it's make gonna it. be hostile, I'll tell you that much <laughs> after <laughs> that Winston Salem will be hostile for sure. Um I mean we we did a great job of pressuring the ball um, against Wake in the last game, forcing 17 turnovers. But the but the bigger aspect of that was us being able to allow them to not gain any comfortability in the game. And so by us doing that in this game, especially on their home floor, if we can do that early, shake them up a little bit. I mean, you're looking you're looking at a at a Wake team that. You know they're they're obviously not easy to beat, not both on the road and at home. Oh, yeah. But if you if you can make them take tough shot after tough shot after tough shot, at like with three seconds left on the shot clock, you know pressuring them, making sure that playing basically Virginia style basketball, wearing teams down on the defensive end so that they're unable to really be equipped for the opposite and, and really being able to stop anything. So we can, we can continue to make them turn the ball over, get uncomfortable. We can get easy baskets in transition and 
just ride a momentum that will last us the entire game. Yeah, Wake Wake coming off of you know two 29 point wins uh just tonight beat Georgia Tech by 29. Um, you know, and in the Ken Palm rankings, they jumped up to 22. Um, and they're as tough as they are to beat on the road, they're even tougher to beat at home. So, you know, we have to continue to have success uh making jump shots against them. Uh Wake does a great job limiting the amount of threes teams take um in the game at home. We didn't make any threes, but we only took eight. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, a case of bad shooting because we ended up shooting 63% from two. Um, and that's partly because of how Wake guards um the pick and roll with what it's called drop coverage, basically allowing the offense to take you know, semi to wide open mid-range jumpers, which is statistically the worst shot. But DJ Horn did a great job exposing it. And if we're going to win, that needs to continue. And, you know, making a three would help. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Making a three would help, but making a, making a, or taking a three-point shot that is a good shot opportunity is what I'm more concerned about than us take and than us making a three. Like if we make a three and it, you know, it happens to be somebody that just kind of throws up a shot at the end of the shot clock and it somehow goes in. Okay. But, you know, I think if we can get, if we can find a way to, you know, still work the ball around where wakes defense down, find an open shooter like we have against other teams you know, I, I can't remember if I might have been, I can't remember if it was Georgia Tech or Miami. It might have been Georgia Tech game, but like they all of a sudden switched to a zone, like to a two, three zone or something like that, like midway through the game. And it forced us to actually move the ball more and, you know, pass, you know, expose the, expose the zone. And if we can do that, you know, both in a zone and in man. I mean, I like our chances. I hope that we can continue to be efficient on the offensive end, but it's going to it's going to take everybody to buy into that and not be try to be the hero to shoot a three pointer if if it if it's rushed or forced. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, mentioning the zone, I would bet my entire life savings that we don't see zone against wake. Um, I know I mentioned in the last pod that I grew, grew up a wake fan. So I still pay attention to their games and I haven't seen that in years from wake. Um, but um, I liked what you mentioned earlier about starting off hot. Um, you know, you said it was going to be a hostile environment, which it is um, according to Ken Palm. Wake has the third best home court advantage. I mean, that that just comes with, you know, being 12-0, I guess. But um, if we're able to take the crowd somewhat out of the game, kind of how they did to us to start the game, um, I think that'll really benefit us. I mean, last year uh, when we went to Winston-Salem, I think T hit two or three threes just right off right out the gate and the crowd was flat the rest of the game mm-hmm. um so if we're able to somewhat recreate that i don't know if it'll be three i don't expect it to be threes but who knows um yeah if we're able to just you know create some type of offense early turn whether it's turnovers um or you know just running our offense we have a good shot to win this one and i think either this game or our next game or next away game at Clemson or one of them is a must win. You know, Clemson's Mm -hmm. coming off the win against UNC tonight. So that's going to be a tough one. So if we want to have a chance to have a compete or a good resume come selection Sunday, one of these games needs to be won. Yeah. And Wake's got a, you know, four days to prep for us. They're going to definitely be watching us t- tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night against Pitt. They uh, they will be prepped. So we have to bring everything we got, bring the energy, bring the grit, bring the fight. We got to bring it all. 
And yep. if we can do that, I hopefully we can come out on top. Yeah. So um Tom, you got anything else? I think we covered everything. I yeah, I think we hit all the hit all the points of uh the next couple games. Yeah, yeah. Uh you got any uh Super Bowl plans? You know, who you who you rooting for in the Super Bowl? <laughs> you know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, for the Niners, people that, baby. yeah for the people that don't know i am a niners fan so i will be rooting pretty hard on sunday um yeah hopefully i'm not a wreck come monday morning but you know we'll, we'll see fingers crossed you know hopefully the niners pull out a victory we'll, we'll niners, see the it. niners better not do it to me three weeks in a row kyle <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah yeah, for all you, for all you, our fun uh, betting friends out there. Uh, yeah, there's a there's been a couple games where um, we've we've bet the Niners and uh, they have not covered the spread yet. They have won, so it's uh, it's very conflicting for everybody except for me, I guess. Yeah, you don't bet them, but no, I no, I've I've learned my lesson, bro. I don't. Care. <laughs> Uh, but hopefully it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good Super Bowl. Um, I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. I think I think it'll be good. Two two good two good teams. It's what you want to see. Two great teams battling it out, and um, hopefully the Niners get the revenge from uh, five years ago. Gosh, five years ago. Wow, that was a long time ago. All right. Um, well, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning into this podcast. Uh, this another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. We greatly appreciate all of the listeners. Um, please like, follow, subscribe to us on, you know, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, we, we, do, we are on X. We are on Instagram. So please go uh, hit us up. Uh, Howland Hoops Pod. Hit us up. You know, follow us. We, we really appreciate all the support. And, uh, and go pack, baby. Go pack. Go pack. <laughs>